Hi to everyone joining us in this session. We hope you enjoy this webinar where we discuss the current practice and developments in concepts of operations across road agencies in Australia and New Zealand. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Eliz and I'm the moderator in this webinar here to provide technical support if you're experiencing any issues. My details are shown in this slide, however you can get in touch by using the chat box in your webinar sidebar. So just a bit about Austroads. Austroads supports its member organisations, those listed here to deliver an improved road transport network. Austroads members are collectively responsible for managing 900,000 kilometres of roads valued at more than $200 billion. Our collective approach delivers value for money, encourages shared knowledge and drives consistency for road users. We are proud to bring this webinar to you today. So just some housekeeping items before we kick off. The presentation will run for approximately 35 minutes and then we have 15 minutes at the end for a live Q&A. We are recording this webinar and we'll share it with you once it's available. You can also download the presentation slides we're using today in the handout section of your toolbar. We believe an interactive webinar is a good webinar, so please send any questions you have for our presenter. There is a questions box that you could see in your sidebar and you could submit your questions there at any time throughout the webinar. When sending through your question, please indicate the slide number you're referring to. We'll then answer them during the question time at the end. So this webinar will give you an overview of an Austroads project. We will outline concept of operations, also known as CONOPS, the principles that should be considered in developing a CONOPS and the status of network operations planning in New Zealand and Australia. The Austroads report relating to this webinar is available to download in the handout section in your sidebar or through the link shown. So I'd like to introduce to you our presenter. His name is Mark Rowland and he joins us from Arab in Melbourne. Mark is an associate from the Transport and Cities Planning Team. He has earned a reputation for successful leads managing and leading multidisciplinary teams from business case development through to project implementation. Hi Mark, it's good to have you here present. How are you today? Oh, hi Liz, thanks very much. Very, very good. Uh, looking forward to it. Excellent. So I'll now pass it on to Mark. Thanks Liz, hopefully you can see my screen. Yes you can, excellent. Great. Thanks. All right, so we'll just go through the agenda for today. Uh, we'll first be talking about what is a concept of operations, especially in the, the context of uh, network operations planning. Just a quick snapshot of network operations planning in Australasia uh, as it is to date to give us a bit more context. Some key issues and gaps we found in terms of when we interviewed uh, a number of the uh, road agencies and transport agencies across Australasia and uh, in terms of our research as well. Then we'll start talking about developing a concept of operations, key principles that are embedded in that concept of operations and then a conclusion and a Q&A. So the project team um, was made up of Ian McCauley from, uh, he was the Osroads project manager um, and then there was myself, uh, Mark Rowland, we had Will McGill who's based in um, our Auckland office uh, and then Paul Carter as well. On this one we um, partnered up with Monash University, uh, Alexa Del Bosque and Jeff Rose um, and they helped us out very much um, set the context in terms of the research and uh, literature review and, and helped um, do the peer review um, as we went through. As you can see on your uh, screen there, there is a number of representatives uh, from across Australasia um, representing a number of road agencies or transport authorities. So what is a concept? Uh, of operations for network operations planning. Well, essentially, in easy, it is in describes an easily understood language the characteristics and processes of each part of the network operations planning uh, from the perspective of those involved. Essentially, how do we want to plan and operate um, the road system? One of the things um, I think it's really important to highlight here when we hear the term concept of operations because it is a, um, a term that is used globally and locally. This uh, report uh, is very much around a concept of operations for the road system um, and how we undertake network operations planning rather than systems that operate um, parts of the road network. So a good example of that would be the concept of operations for managed motorways. Um, so you'll still see that term and really I suppose the thing to highlight any time you have a complex system um, is a time where you would consider 
um, having a concept of operations. Um, so as you can imagine, you can use a concept of operations at the very strategic level, or you can use it at the, um, the very operational level. Um, for our research in this report, it's very much focused at the strategic system level. Network Operations Planning in Australasia, um, so it's worth just giving a quick background to um, why this study was even undertaken in the first place. Network Operations Planning has come a long way, way um, since it's in sort of, I suppose it came to the fore in 2009. Again, it has been around a long time, but the 2009 uh, framework that was put forward by Australiders is, um, is a quite a defining moment for it in Australasia. However, there is a perceived disconnect between strategic and operations um, is one of the things that uh, has been found. Low visibility of, of the process and of course the challenges faced by not only um, stakeholders but the challenges are faced by road agencies and transport agencies. So how do we kind of shine a light on that to make sure our stakeholders understand the challenges we face every day? And then a need to bridge the gap between people and processes um, was an important part of um, the reason why the study was undertaken. And I'll touch on this a few times um, today, uh, is really the low number of network operations plans that have been implemented and monitored. Um, so really what are the benefits um, that we're seeing from network operations planning um, and the plans being put into place. So I've just touched on uh, in 2009 the framework. Uh, look, there's a little bit on your screen there. Won't go into too much detail because it is um, used quite a lot, but I, I suppose essentially from number one you'll see up the top there in terms of operational objectives that we're heading up into that strategic level, going right down to, as I said before, we haven't seen a lot in terms of the evaluation um, of the plans. The diagram on the right, um, you'll see quite a lot through this presentation and the report, um, I suppose it's to really give that um, high level illustration of what we're talking about. So we've got concept of operations, network operating plans or network operations plans as they're called in some places, and then network challenges or network management plans and changes. So the kind of way to think about it, the concept of operations um, we're talking about today is really those uh, that first part of the of the planning framework, which is um, the network objectives, the definition, the road use hierarchies, really about setting those principles or that framework. And then we've got the network operating plans is really detailing out um, how we're going to, um, the strategies that we apply um, and, and what the priorities and how we're going to measure. And then you've got the network management and plans. Um, that's very much around the traffic signal plans, the operational plans, the network plans. Um, so it's really just to outline those, those key documents or key processes. I think at this point it's worth just flagging um, that every state or jurisdiction is going to be different um, and they might have different terminologies and they're going to apply it in different ways. Um, so I suppose it's, it's worth just saying from the outset is that we're not giving a, a cookie cutter approach or a definitive approach and saying this is how you should do it, but rather today we'll be very much focused on principles um, and outlining um, key elements that should be considered within the network operations planning process and how a concept of operations document may help you. Um, network operations planning context, um, the Austro's Guide to Traffic Management Part 4 Network Management um, is probably the, the key document um, that you would need to refer to. Um, network operating plans or network operations plans, planning, um, just sort of for those that are a bit new to the process, um, essentially planning uh, documents that identify short-term operational strategies that improve the function um, of the road network. So it's just making sure we get that terminology. And I've already touched on network management plans. Um, Osroads has a number of great um, documents that you should refer to. Um, a great one is signal techniques uh, for network operations planning. Um, so again, um, you know, you've got those standards that, that, that are there in place. What you're probably looking at, uh, what, sorry, what you are looking at there um, is through the, the literature review that Monash University undertook for us. Uh, there is a number of key resources, both locally and globally, they found. Um, these are referenced in the, in the report, but some of these um, that are on your screen now are just some of those key references um, as part of applying network operations planning in Australasia um, from Osroads, VicRoads uh, and, and the sort. In terms of network operations plans, uh, through the literature review and engaging, um, we actually, uh, there are a few out there, but there, um, these were probably, these were the ones that were made publicly available uh, for us when we were doing the research. As I said um, before, since the inception of that framework in 2009, 
now that we're in 2017, uh, we would have expected to see a lot more network operations plans or specific plans covering um, activity centres and cities. Um, and not only the plans being developed in place, but actually as a live document uh, being regularly updated, implemented um, across. So key <coughs> issues and gaps um, that were identified. So as I said, the process, we had literature review, then we went out and engaged stakeholders um, and then we went out and did an um, open questionnaire, which I assume there'll be a few people listening today that, that participated. So some of the key issues um, that were identified, uh, one was around governance, um, which we will, we'll talk about today. One was around resourcing and training and network operations planning. Um, so we didn't see uh, some places lacked or didn't seem to have um, committed the resources. And that's not just about uh, road authorities not seeing it as an imperative, but it could be seen as um, not putting the case forward. Again, why do you want to make sure you're tracking those benefits or making sure that the, um, are from the network operations plans because that then um, helps organisations then invest in more resourcing and more training. Um, so it's really imperative that we, we track those benefits and we show what the benefit of network operations planning is. Stakeholder engagement um, was very varied. Um, some jurisdictions were, um, saw local governments, for example, as um, a key element or a key part of it. Um, other jurisdictions were very focused just on their agency undertaking network operations planning. Multiple, multiple agencies and differing government makeups. Um, the key part of this one is just to say, again, we can't really apply a cookie cutter approach uh, in that every state or country um, is very different from each other. One of the other uh, issues that we did identify, some places were very much uh, had a single focus, um, whether or not it was on the supply, so again, adding more capacity to the road network, managing demand, or trying to manage productivity or make the network a lot more efficient. So um, there was, a, I suppose, one of the issues identified was that we didn't see that sort of holistic approach um, to operations planning in terms of identifying supply and productivity and demand. And then movement in place, uh, which I will, will touch on next. So Network Operations Planning Framework 2009, what you're seeing there on the right, uh, um, this international trend, or very much in Australasia, is this trend towards movement in place. So the recognition of how important place is uh, in creating livable cities and towns. Um, yet we're still seeing the integration of the two, so they're not they don't go against each other, but we're, uh, I still think that, or what we're seeing is um, the, I suppose, how each of them talk to each other and how each of them support each other. So just uh, in case you, you're not aware of movement in place, touch on it just very quickly. What you're looking at on your screen there uh, is Auckland in terms of New Zealand up in the top left corner. That's their roads and streets framework, so you notice place along the bottom, movement up the side. You'll see that Victoria have adopted a similar approach. Uh, New South Wales have um, got their approach and you'll, you'll see um, London or, or Transport for London's framework. So you can see generically um, how, how the importance of movement and the importance of place um, rise or I suppose go along each axis. And then as you sort of get into the, the matrix, it then kind of indicates the type of um, operation both for place and movement or the kind of considerations um, that people should be making. Um, so we're, we're, I suppose, in our infancy, um, in terms of who's probably progressed the most, probably looks like Auckland's sort of uh, probably uh, going along um, at a great speed with the um, recent release of their framework. <coughs> So we've identified key issues. Uh, what did we find were key gaps? Uh, we found that uh, the safe systems approach, either A, people didn't know what it was, uh, or people um, just said, oh no, road safety is always considered. So I think it's sort of good to make a clarification between road safety um, and saying, oh, you know, road safety is important and, and the safe systems approach. Um, there is a um, Osroads um, report on applying the safe systems approach to network operations planning, um, but I think it's, it's just a really good one that should be at the forefront um, in anything we do. Benchmarking and post-implementation, um, I'll keep talking about this as we go. Um, we've very rarely seen uh, post-implementation reports or benchmarking of network operations plans um, a year after they were put in place, five years after they were put in place. Um, so we actually don't know what the value or the benefit cost ratios or, or why you would even invest in um, 
in, in the process. We know it's great and it's good to do, um, but it's just we're not seeing that come out. County for non-private vehicles, uh, I suppose with the initiation, which I, we thought was a bit interesting in that uh, the whole point of network operations planning uh, was to uh, make it a integrated network or think about all modes. However, what we were hearing back from stakeholders is that um, sometimes the process is used to just focus on moving more cars um, rather than people. And I think um, that might be, well not I think, but that might be the move in, in terms of why there is a shift towards movement in place, um, potentially in terms of that language. We noted that there was a key gap cohesion across all levels of government, um, so we weren't quite seeing uh, buy-in at all levels or involvement, um, but where there had, there had been a lot of success. Uh, lack of strategic guidance, um, so what we, what we heard in terms of a gap was, oh yes, we understand we need to do things with the traffic signals, but we're not, we don't really understand how that fits into the broader picture or, or what is the, the transport department um, trying to achieve. Um, we're just here um, being, I suppose it's very reactive rather than proactive. The other thing that uh, we heard a lot, and I suppose people can be lumped into this word, enablers, so basically enabling the process, GIS software data um, is really about um, taking that next move um, and moving away from static plans to, to living documents. So developing a concept of operations, um, as I mentioned before, the term concept of operations um, is a globally used term. Um, it's very much used in systems engineering. Um, and so in terms of concept of operations, they do share some, all share some very high level properties. Um, we'll kind of put this into the context of the road system. Um, statement of objectives for the road system, so all systems, what is the point of actually having the system in the first place? Talking about the strategies, tactics, policies and constraints um, affecting that system. Organisations, activities, inter interactions among participants and stakeholders, so these are the types of things you would see in CONOPS. Clear statement of responsibilities. The operational environment, so um, making it kind of clearly understood how that, that system um, operates and then the processes for initiating, developing and maintaining the road system. So we, we saw these high level, pro we saw that there were these high level properties that all sort of concept of operation shared, but we really wanted to sort of delve down and understand what are some of the principles that people should be applying and, and understanding and, and developing um, their concept of operations um, and, and going through. So what we did was, as part of the report, um, after identifying what is a concept of operations, looking at um, how network operations planning is going in Australasia, um, we looked at a set of principles that, that people should look to uh, embed in their concept of operations for the um, road system. The first one that we touched on uh, was governance. Um, so good governance we can't um, stress enough. Um, for some places we didn't even see that um, there were working groups or there were steering committees um, or even you know sign off by chief executives. I suppose one of the things that we, we felt was, um, I'll put all those points up, is that where um, network operations plans or the concept of operations for the road system had been signed off by a minister or had been signed off by a chief executive or they were aware um, there is more buy-in um, and having that, those governance structures in place so if a network operation plan needs to change, how do you then go about making that change, who needs to sign off, um, the performance of the network operations plans, um, who's monitoring those, how are they being reported into the organisation. Um, so I think We've we've got some um, we've touched on you know what good governance could look like um, and some of the things to consider, um, but in terms of any network operations planning or the concept of operations, it is important uh, to consider governance and having those governance processes in place and how things are escalated and structured um, and how external people um, participate in that governance structure. Stakeholder engagement, um, we'll, we'll, we've touched on a bit, but I think um, in terms of a, 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 a key reason why, it gives your the concept of operations and the whole process a real, a, you know, realism. 
what we found was is that there was real buy-in um, where stakeholders hadn't been engaged in developing the concept of operations. Uh, we saw that you know there was a lack of buy-in or a lack of understanding, uh, and then it was also important to continue that stakeholder engagement um, as you went up and down the chain. Understanding the challenges and constraints. Um, sometimes you know people say, well, why don't you just make make all the traffic signals green, or um, why is there always this problem? Um, you know, especially around say bus operators or um, tram operators, for example. Um, once they understand the challenges and constraints faced by the road authority, uh, they're more likely to um, understand and, and accept or, or be part of the process. Uh, we found that some uh, network operations planning processes are very much developed from the top down. Um, by having the stakeholder engagement, it makes sure that there is a bottom-up uh, approach to, to operating the network. But also stakeholder engagement um, helps to um, connect the strategic planning uh, with the day-to-day -day, uh, operations. I suppose one of the things when we're talking about stakeholders, um, it's really about um, the people that either operate, use, or influence or are affected by the system, um, essentially. And that's the way you kind of think about stakeholders. Um, you know, you got to be—you don't want to kind of go out and have 101 of them, but um, you know, you need to think about who are those people um, that are involved. The next one that we found uh, was accountability, roles, and responsibilities. And so uh, the key thing for the concept of operations, um, it was either around should it be um, highlighting those key parts of um, the transport system or organisations or people um, that hold accountability roles and responsibilities um, for the road system. So what we found, oh sorry about the animation there, um, some places had dedicated people allocated to road corridors so it was their position to uh, ensure that that corridor uh, is operated and if there is an issue that arises they will then go and investigate it. So we, we did see in some jurisdiction there was a lack of ownership of the plan so if you were a stakeholder you didn't actually know well who was actually responsible, who do I actually need to go and talk to, who is responsible uh, for the day-to-day -day operation and management of this plan. Um, so really it's around taking ownership of the plan but also the problems that occur there on a day-to-day Accountability of issues and performance, again, um, the concept of operations should help to set out who is accountable um, for um, identifying and monitoring those issues and performance. Processes established for people to follow, um, so it should clearly highlight the processes that take place, and again, it should create that line of sight across authorities, departments and agencies. What we've got there in that diagram, as you can see um, at the top, um, how the concept of operations is really turning all of those acts and master plans and strategies uh, into a, um, I suppose, into our, our plan or our, our concept for how we need the network to operate to deliver against um, all of those government objectives and strategies. And you'll notice those two red boxes there. We've got program managers and project managers. And what's really important there is that at the at the high level at the strategic level for example those program managers might sit in a department of transport and the project managers might sit in a road agency um, you can see that the project managers are very much around focus on delivering those network operations plans getting those changes in play, place monitoring them but they're but they're feeding back and they're talking to the program managers who are responsible for, for delivering the concept of operations um, across the network. So it's really about having those people right through the chain from um, a department um, through to the, um, the operator level. I thought it would be just worth one thing that um, <clears throat> we've seen common about all concept of operations, whether at the strategic or operational level, was working through operational scenarios seemed to be um, a good way of developing a document. Um, what we've got here is just a sort of an operational scenario or some questions. Um, so for example, who is responsible for investigating and monitoring public transport operating gaps for a set network operation plan in your area? Who is responsible for investigating the causes of that gap? 
So it doesn't, it could either be a gap over a week, so we might see public transports running really badly across the road, or it might be a permanent one. Who will make the site visits and monitor the site? Who is responsible for developing the solution? In the case it is determined, for example, that, that parking needs to be removed, so there's two, you know, three or four car parking spaces too close to an intersection. Who, who then coordinates removal of the parking at that instant? Who monitors the results and, and reports back? Could all practitioners involved in network operations planning in your jurisdiction clearly articulate the persons or people or areas that are responsible for these things above? Um, so, you know, just sort of thinking about it, could you clearly go out and find um, the top 20 public transport operating gaps right now for buses? Um, would you know are people um, following those up, are they making the changes? Um, if they can't make the changes, what are the barriers? So you can see how um, there's a real, um, I suppose, we need to make sure that the governance accountability roles and responsibilities um, is there. It can't just be a plan um, without people um, allocated tasks and responsibilities. And that's why it's really key for stakeholders. You know, stakeholders were saying, we don't know who to talk to, we don't know who to engage with, um, who actually owns this plan, um, and that's why a concept of operations is so important because it sets out the governance arrangements, even at a high level or a detailed level, and it also makes sure that um, it sets out the accountability roles and responsibilities uh, for operating a transport network. Defining success and measuring performance. Um, the terminology benefit management framework, we've seen that in a couple of jurisdictions. You might have something different, um, but clearly um, transport agencies and authorities uh, need to have a framework or a document that, that um, sets out um, what are the, the measures for success and performance, and then those, network, those concept of operations and network operations plans need to deliver on those. Um, it provides a line of sight from investment level indicators uh, to the benefits and outcomes. Um, each NOP should have clear success and criteria uh, and measurements. And I suppose what I just wanted to sort of show on a, a page here as an illustration, this is in the report, but it kind of shows a bit of a benefits hierarchy. Um, you know, in your jurisdiction may have something different, but it's really about creating that line of sight between the concept of operations, um, the government outcomes, and what the network operations plans are trying to do. So, example here is in Victoria. Victoria is a thriving place to live and do business. So that is what the government um, is seeking from an outcome, uh, whether or not that's from transport or the business community. Um, as a transport authority, um, their concept of operations uh, would be seeking to increase transport network efficiency. So these, again, these are very high level. There might be a, a bigger description, but you can sort of see um, how they contribute to that overall government in, um, outcome. And then going down to the KPI within the network operations plan. So improving throughput of people um, on a particular road or particular network at a particular day, by a particular mode, linking with place, et cetera, et cetera. So this is a very high level benefit, high, benefits hierarchy, but you can kind of see um, how the NOPs and how the concept of operations fits into the um, overall picture of what the government is trying to achieve. Important aspect is on the next one, probably uh, not in the middle, but um, the customer. And what we're hearing a lot now um, is, I suppose, Transport for New South Wales probably coined the term first or give them the rights. Uh, but what we're hearing a lot now throughout Australasia, a lot of road uh, transport agencies are using the same term. Our customers are at the centre of everything that we do. Um, the outcome for end users needs to be considered and reflected throughout the document. So that first point is very much what we're seeing or what we've seen in concept of operations documents um, around the world. So just a couple of examples, um, Transport for New South Roads road planning framework, I think just kind of clearly to show that their document talks about understanding the customer, uh, the road planning principles that they've put in place uh, once they've understood the customer, their road planning framework around how they're going to do it, and then their movement in place um, hierarchy. And now I understand they're getting into um, applying this in terms of um, network operations plans, but um, this is a, a good way of looking at a, um, a concept of operations is very much um, understanding the customer, those principles of how we're going to deliver for the customer, and then um, having that framework, and then the network operations plans then go through and apply a hierarchy strategies um, and really drill down to um, getting that network to um, 
deliver against those the, the framework that was outlined in the concept of operations. Next slide, um, we hear it a lot. We hear a lot about um, integrated um, transport, land use and road safety planning. Um, I think it's probably just good to um, indicate again the safe systems approach. Um, we weren't seeing it a lot, um, but it is very important that it's embedded into network operations planning and also the concept of operations. Uh, there's probably a, a sort of a fourth element there. We've got movement, place, safety, um, and there's probably one that we're hearing a lot now is environment and health. Um, so really about making streets that, that encourage um, active travel. But in regards to the concept of operations, um, you can see those those three key principles there, and then I suppose environment and, and health off to the side. Um, why it is key is um, once we put all these elements into a framework and, and we move away from just focusing um, network operations planning, some people have argued is very much in that movement space on the left. Um, and really the, the, the move towards movement in place is about taking all these um, other elements into account. And the concept of operations um, should cover all of these off and set those principles. Integrated management of the transport system. Um, so what we wanted to sort of, oh sorry, I'll jump back there. Uh, what we wanted to show in this diagram, again it was around that, that productivity uh, supply demand. So if you notice those sort of yellow boxes um, the concept of operations has traditionally always, um, or the network operations planning is, is generally focused more on the efficiency or productivity of the network. Um, however, in terms of a long-term investment strategy, um, it is important that the concept of operations and network operations planning um, all feeds back into that. So even once you've built an asset, um, how often um, are the network um, management plans or signal plans change. So you can see kind of there is an interaction not only up and down but very much horizontal. Um, so a concept of uh, you know, network operations plans may identify um, a gap. Um, that gap may not be able to be um, properly serviced through a um, management strategy so you may need to find investment or is there a demand management solution, you know, changing school times, um, I suppose that acronym, what do they say, remote, rechoice, retime. Um, so it's around, it's really about linking um, across and up and down an organisation um, and, and bringing those processes through. Also what we're finding in terms of the business case process um, across Australasia, um, if the investment strategy looks like it's, it's had a proper linkage through to um, operations and through to demand, uh, it's more likely to um, succeed in getting um, funding. So I suppose um, one of the things we did talk about uh, was the enablers. So we can see off to the side there, um, one of the things that we found without the enablers, the process is, is, is never really getting beyond theory. So, um, you know, things like um, design manuals, guidelines, technology and people, um, it's a really important enabler for the process. Uh, what we've seen in Auckland Transport recently released as part of their roads and streets, a design framework. Uh, we understand some organisations use the NACTO guides um, to help um, redesign streets to, to, to fit with the movement and place framework. So um, it is very important that part of network operations planning, we're considering um, processes like GIS, um, live data inputs into the network operations plans for gap analysis. Um, where we found a plan was done um, and it was that sort of static plan, one, one point in time it was likely to fall over uh, within the 12 to 18 months. You know, they went out and did pedestrian counts and car counts and said this is our plan, um, but it is very important to um, keep it up to date. Um, the next couple of slides we thought would be interesting, we sort of thought, well, where would we think a concept of operations document would sit? So we've done one for Auckland Transport and one for, um, oh, not Auckland Transport, we've done one for Auckland uh, and we've done one for Victoria, just to kind of illustrate a little bit more around concept of operations. So the one here um, is kind of looking at, at how you would use a concept of operations to bring together uh, the Ministry of Transport, NZTA, Auckland Transport into a concept of operations for the whole of whole of Auckland. Um, so as you can see how they sort of filter down into this document that has buy-in between um, I suppose local government, national government and a road agency and how customer stakeholders then input into that and then network operations plans um, then fall out. Uh, in regard to Victoria, um, this is probably a little bit of a simpler one, but you can see there the Department of uh, Economic Development, Jobs, Transport and Resources, Transport for Victoria sits, sits under them uh, in terms of their network development plans. And then the concept of operations 
which would be what we're saying in this account is that it would be a document that would be owned by Transport for Victoria, uh, and then the Vic Roads Local Government Public Transport Victoria would then come together to develop network operations plans that then responded to the concept of operations. Um, so as you can see, there is no way to have a, a cookie cutter approach uh, for um, road jurisdictions. You can see in, in the case of New Zealand, they might have several concept of operations, while in Victoria they might have one, but they might have many network operations plans covering um, sub-networks. So at a, at a high level, um, you can't have that, that um, I suppose, generic process. So just as a conclusion, um, network operations planning is a core reason why road authorities exist, um, and can't state that enough. Um, this is, you know, if they weren't operating the network, why are they there? Um, and network operations planning is that function. And so I think as practitioners, we need to make sure that we're emphasising that with the organisation, but at the same time, um, having a number of those processes in place. I need to gain buy-in and involvement across the transport system. Why a concept of operations is important brings together everybody to set the, that aspirational goal, those principles that need to be applied, and then um, then stakeholders can then come in, and then the, the network operations plans can then be developed. It is fundamental that the transport authorities have well-planned, implemented processes in place to operate the road network. So again, that, that that's linking back to that that first statement. Um, and I can't stress that enough. And the last one is um, is around those enablers and moving towards, um, I suppose, utilising technology and people to create um, a living process. So that brings us to questions. I think uh, that should that should be exactly 35 minutes. It looks like I've timed that pretty well. So, Liz, I will um, hand back to you. Yeah. Thank you, Mark, for presenting. It was a very thorough presentation that covered a lot of aspects within the report. So we received a handful of questions from the audience, which we'll go through now. Just a reminder to the audience to send through any other questions for Mark, uh, as we do have some time allocated. So the first question we received is from John uh, in regards to slide 22. So he's asked that you mention each jurisdiction are using different movement in place frameworks. Do you believe this is an issue and will the road, road system benefit more if there was a more harmonised approach? So slide number 22. Uh, sorry, Lisa, I'll just touch on that. So it was really around do, do I see if there is an if issue in placement? Yes. Applying the movement and price framework. And would um, the road system benefit more if there was a more harmonised approach? Yeah, so I suppose in answering the second one, um, what we're clearly seeing uh, from my experience um, is actually just as much about a culture change um, as well in terms of people are now um, clearly um, using the same language. So you're seeing traffic engineers as well as land use planners, uh, as well as um, you know people across the broad spectrum talking about movement in place and they understand uh, what they're trying to deliver. So I think in terms of a culture change aspect, um, it's been really important. What we're probably not seeing um, is really that, that those great aspects of the network operations planning framework that were originally envisioned in 2009. So the real, hard, I suppose, the more, more quantitative um, aspects such as um, performance gaps, um, tracking of data, um, that sort of more, um, the more robustness, I suppose, um, of the network operations plans. We have seen, though, that, uh, as I said before, Auckland's um, looks like they're, they're, they're progressing really well in terms of bringing the two together. Um, so there seems to be a lot of work that needs to be done, um, but I don't think the frameworks, I think the frameworks are complementary and they'll be merged, uh, ultimately they should be merged into one, um, so we should take the great aspects of network operations planning and the great um, theory of movement in place um, and pull the two together, but there are some issues that probably need to be resolved, but um, it seems to be adding, from my perspective, seems to be adding a lot of value especially from a street design. Um, I mean, one aspect I heard the other day about a landscape architect, and they were like, oh, well, it's really important is the road authority knows that if it's an M, if it's a P1 or P2 and a movement corridor goes through those, they now know that they need to call me and have a conversation and, you know, that they now know that I need to be engaged. 
Um, so I think there, you know, even something like that is just really important that that's happening. Thanks for that, Mark. If that's clarified your question, John. Uh, next question we received is about slide twenty, so two slides back. So you mentioned key issues identified. Are there any solutions to reduce the effect of the key issues? So again, sorry, what was the last point on that? So is there kind of any solutions to reduce the effect of these key issues that's been identified? Yeah, I suppose in terms of the principles, the principles that we've identified um, in the concept of operations, in the guide we have outlined, um, so that's really what, a lot of these really drove the principles. So when we talk about governance um, as a key issue identified in the guide we provide um, some suggested information on how, um, how you would go about setting up a governance structure. Um, we've said that we think it's really important that you know at least the concept of operations should be signed off by the minister or signed off by the CEO, and then the network operations planning plans the next level down might not have to be signed off by the CEO, but might be the next level down. So it's about having those sign off and those processes. So that's outlined. Uh, resourcing and training. Um, so yeah, we've said we think it's really key that you understand the benefits of network operations planning and put the business case forward or put the case forward of why it's so important and again that comes back to governance because if you have a governance structure in place and you're reporting to them um, then naturally they should be able to have that oversight and they would be keen to see that in place. Stakeholder engagement, um, look I probably didn't touch on that too much again in the guide um, we think it's really important to, to have those stakeholder engagement plans drawn up, both for internal stakeholders and external stakeholders. So as practitioners, we might not be um, so uh, expert in, in stakeholder management plans, but I think a lot of road agencies and authorities have stakeholder engagement teams and they should be help, help you to, to do a stakeholder plan. Multi-agencies and differing government makeups. This is what we think the concept of operations in itself is really important, is that by having a concept of operations, you'll see in the Auckland example that is developed by Auckland Transport and NZTA, you're bringing that all together. Um, you know, for example, Brisbane might be a good example where you have transport and main roads and Brisbane City Council come together to have a con concept of operations for Brisbane. Um, and then the next one down, the single focus on supply versus demand productivity, and that was around having that clear line of sight not only up and down but across the tree. So um, how does your network operations planning inform your investment strategy? How does the investment strategy inform network operations planning? So if you've made an investment, how is network operations planning responding to that new link or that new capacity? And then um, one thing that we probably didn't see very strong um, across many of the jurisdictions was a, was a really strong demand management team. Again, that, that idea around remote, retime, um, Rechoice. Oh, I've got it now. But um, really about having that that holistic approach and all those people knowing and connected. Um, so the concept of operations will help those people that are not involved in network operations planning understand how it occurs. Excellent. Thanks for that answer, Mark. Uh, another question we received is: Can you show or cite a typical or a sample NOP of either Victoria or Auckland or any other? To show a, a sample of a network yeah, operations plan? Sites are typical or a sample NOP of either Victoria or Auckland? Uh, yeah, not right now, but I, if you, I can provide, I'm more than happy to um, talk to that person offline and we can, I'm more than happy to walk them through um, examples of network operations plans from around Australasia. That's not a problem. Excellent. Yeah, we'll take that question offline. Uh, another Cheers. question is from Richard. Um, four hours principle of retime, re remote, and reduce. Do you have any comments on that one, or? Um, look, I just I think those points are really I think those points uh, are really important and. Um, as we see agencies like Transport for Victoria and Transport for New South Wales established, um, we're seeing demand management units um, starting to pop up. Um, I know there's one over in Auckland Transport as well. Um, and the, the comments that Richard makes are like those those really important principles um, and the ideas. Um, it's just really around are those teams talking to the teams within um, road agencies 
um, who are concerned with network operations plans because you can imagine um, a five percent. You know, we all talk about the school holidays and and the um, how the road network uh, how dramatically it improves during school holidays. And most people have explained that's only a five percent difference in traffic volumes. So stuff that Richard's talking about um, could make massive changes to network operations planning, and that's why it's so important um, that either the concept of operations talks about demand management, or is either complemented by um, you know a demand management strategy. Um, so again, there's no right or wrong answer. Um, again, that's why we went for the principles, but we think, yeah, look, it's really important that demand management strategies are developed and they are um, either accompanied by network operations planning or either embedded into it. Okay, thanks for answering that one, Mark. Uh, so slide number 18, we have received a question about that one. So in your opinion, is there a large difference between a network operations plan based on a smart road and one that isn't based on a smart road? Um, I mean, generally, I suppose most of them have, if they've originated in New Zealand um, or Victoria, they've generally been based on smart roads. I understand we weren't privy to it. We understand that Queensland has planning for operations which originated from smart roads. What we've got to remember is smart roads um, is the name of Vic Roads's um, network operations planning framework. So a bit like a concept of operations in a way. Um, it um, originated or, or was very much um, part or was born from Osroads network operations planning. So what I'm kind of saying there, even Smart Roads is really a brand or a, a branding name, but essentially that framework or Smart Roads is still based on Osroads. And what we're finding is most network operations planning originates from Osroads. The biggest difference is probably with WA. Um, WA um, have probably ad adopted more a, a corridor strategy. Um, but you know, I think that generally they're all going in the same, the same way. The same principles around using road use hierarchies, around um, understanding gaps or issues on the network, and then addressing those gaps through strategies. Thanks for answering that one, Mark. So we have another question regarding smart roads. This is from Andrew. So he says, "Hi, Mark. Thank you for the informative presentation. You mentioned a few times about responding to operating gaps." Throughout the study in different jurisdictions, have you seen much um, uptake with the smart roads tool developed by VicRoads, or have there been any different approaches to identifying operating gaps? So it's kind of a two-part question. Yeah, um, the the network fit assessment tool developed by VicRoads that has the operating gaps in well helps to generate the operating gaps. We did get um, it was interesting. We got feedback. Sometimes people like the network. Uh, the network fit assessment tool. Other people found it was very hard to use, um, or as we were saying before, around those enablers around it wasn't very easy to input um, data into, and in some ways um, became a bit of um, did hinder a little bit. Um, in terms of the operating gaps, um, we saw that um, you know uh, network operations plans in Hamilton and New Zealand. Um, was really interesting. That actually developed the operating gaps using the network set assessment tool, and then developed a whole bunch of um, both operational and investment strategies. So that was probably the best example we've seen of of developing operating gaps for a network, um, and then developing up a whole bunch of management strategies and investments. Um, in terms of, I suppose um, we didn't see in New South Wales any use of the operating gap. Um, planning for operations, which we understand again in Queensland, but we weren't um, made privy to that study. Um, South Australia, um, Tasmania, and Northern Territory, we didn't see any operating gaps. Um, in Victoria, some of the um, network operations plans you see there, like the Ringwood Activity Area and Nicholson Street Tram, they had operating gaps. However, um, as I've kind of mentioned, they're very static. They were done at one point in time, um, and we haven't had any further information, um, for example, on how the Ringwood activity area gaps have been reduced through management or investment strategies. We understand the Nicholson Street Tram 96 was was, was a kind of a, a one-off. We're not sure whether um, we haven't seen any, we weren't privy to any information whether or not those gaps were reduced. And that's why um, it is so important 
to have regular um, governance structure in place and to have those plans um, monitored um, once implemented um, to look at how the gaps are being reduced and what the benefits that were realised from reducing those gaps. Excellent. I hope that's clarified. Your question, Andrew. And another question we received regards to slide 18, so similar question to before. Is there a difference between a state road authority network operations plan and a local council one, so based on states versus local? Um, yeah, I'm just trying to sort of uh, think about it. I'm just trying to think, Hamil again, Hamilton City Council, though it's not mentioned in there, we, we became aware of it. Um, I think it's more, it's not so much based on local versus state, it's more around um, who's responsible for controlling um, the main movement corridors within a city or area. Um, so Christchurch, as you can see there, um, Christchurch City Council took the lead on the network operations plan because they run a majority um, of the um, major roads in Christchurch. NZTA run a couple of state highways. Auckland's the same case where NZTA um, run uh, the key freeways, but they don't really engage on any of the arterial roads that are non-freeway, and that's why I suppose um, Auckland Transport or Christchurch are better to, to take ownership of the um, network operations plan, but they're both, you would probably say, are like local councils or, or local government. Um, you know, Brisbane and I suppose Gold Coast are a little bit similar, you know, they're sort of councils that control um, a majority of cities, and TMR don't have a lot of control over of uh, well, they do have, you know, they, they are running main roads, but I suppose in conjunction, if you compare that to Victoria, where Vic Roads um, is the road authority for essentially every major arterial on the one-mile grid, and local governments responsible for for um, operations and road safety on those local roads that intersect with main roads. So, what we've seen is that authorities. Uh, have generally done the network operations plan if they've run the majority of major movement corridors, so then we haven't really seen um, technically a lot of difference, if that hopefully makes sense. Thanks for that, Mark. So we received a comment from Colin that kind of answers a previous question. Uh, so Taranga has just completed a full multi-metric NOP with gaps, assessing mobility and safety, accessibility and amenity. So that covered both local and state roads and regional services. So thanks for sending that through, Colin. Thank you. So I believe that's all the questions that we received. So we'll close it up here in terms of timings are pretty good. I'll just share my screen and we'll go from there in terms of the upcoming webinars. I'd like to let the audience know. So just to let the audience know about the upcoming webinars, we have three webinars scheduled for the remainder of the year. We have a session which will outline the key changes made to the Guide to Traffic Management Part 3, Traffic Studies, traffic studies and Analysis, so that's on next week on 30th of November. Also, it's also recently completed a strategic review of the Guide to Traffic Management series and we'll be running a webinar to share the key findings and opportunities for OSERT in terms of the guide. And then our last session for 2017 is development of national mass assessment procedures for oversized over mass vehicles. So for the audience, please go to our website for more information and to register. So I'd like to thank the audience for participating today and I hope you could attend more of our webinars that we hold. We'd love your feedback on the webinar, so please fill out a survey which will come up on the screen after the webinar. We're also currently collating suggestions on topics that you'd like us to cover in future webinars and would like your feedback on this. So lastly, thank you again to Mark for presenting today and answering the questions as well. Thanks, Elise. My pleasure. Thank you all. So I'll close this session off and hope we could hope you could attend more of our webinars. Thank you.